0: So hello there and welcome back to the Growing Through Grief podcast where we're speaking with amazing individuals and today is no different. You're going to love, love, love my guest today. She's like a bundle package. She has all types of experience. She's a certified and licensed mental health well and wellness coach. She's a speaker, a teacher, she's a certified and licensed psychotherapist, and she also specializes in trauma. So yes, when I said Abunda, she is Abunda. She has a variety of experience and expertise in the mental health field. So I won't go any further. I'll just go ahead and introduce her as Professor Teresa. Welcome,
1: Professor Well, hello, my friend. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Yeah, I am so happy you're here. I know we've been
0: trying to get this done for little bit now so here we are and you and I talked just a little bit before the episode and we were just talking about how you're in one of your most compelling grief stories ever. Now we don't have to start there but it's the one thing that's in the room right now and is fresh on your mind. Would you like to share about that or first of all share a
1: little bit more about you and then share that compelling grief story with us absolutely so well we'll we'll start with what's most pressing right now as i stated you know while we were talking behind stage my mom is in the final stages of life she has been suffering from dementia for quite a few years and now her health has failed to the point where she has been put on hospice and we are now preparing for her transition. So it's been a very, very stressful, sad series of events. And my parents are still married over 65 years together. And so that's what we're dealing with today. And yes, so we're preparing for my mother's passing. And a little bit about my story. My mother really is that one person. You know, they say that every, every successful person has that one person who always believed in them. And I believe that my mom is that one. I'm named after her. Her name is Teresa. And my mother was always, this. she still is, this little tiny Italian bundle of energy and always told me that I could do anything I wanted, be anything I wanted. I could have whatever I wanted and always was there to support me along the way in her quiet, gentle way. So my mother's energy is channeling through me. And uh, when you said a bundle, I thought you were going to say a bundle of energy because that's been the prominent theme in the last few days. My mother's feisty, energetic way about her, even as sick and as emaciated as she is, she's still looking at me with those eyes. So, yes. But, you know, death is not final. And I don't believe that it's the end of the road for her. And we can talk yeah. a little bit about that, too.
0: Sure. That's, that's beautiful. So know that I am, as your girlfriend, holding you emotionally as you go through this process with your mom. And it's just I heard so much in the story that you just told us, you know, you're dealing with end of life. You're dealing with hospice. You're dealing with anticipatory grief, anticipating something to happen when it's supposed to happen. So, yes, I love the story about mom being a abundant of energy. So. Let's just say her daughter is the same. You got that bundle of energy as well as gifts and talents that are so wide in perspective. So how does someone with your background, knowing that this is mom, the mom who was that one person that believed
1: in you, that continued to believe in you, how are you dealing with this? That's a really good question, because, as you know, grief, grief is very subjective. We all handle things differently. I think when my mom was diagnosed with dementia, we all began grieving because we were losing her. And I saw as the years progressed how much memory was lost from her. And so that's a whole grieving process. And I was helping my mother grieve her Memory loss and her diagnosis when she was able to process some of it. So, we've all been grieving for quite a few years. How oh, is it watching my mother transition? It's horrible, but I'm grateful because I live right across the street, the street over, so I can run back and forth. And I've been able to watch my mother as this progression has really rapidly increased. And I've watched her suffer, and she's suffering terribly. So looking at her in her eyes, I just know that she's telling me, "I love you. I'm going to be okay. You be okay. Take care of dad." Mm -hmm. That's what I think is happening. But it's difficult, and and yes, I'm grieving in a certain way. Yeah. Are there specific tools that you're using as A mental health and a trauma specialist? Yes, that's a great question. I'm using my positive affirmations every morning. I'm using my mindfulness techniques. I'm mm-hmm. using breathing. I'm doing self-care. I'm disconnecting, unplugging from things at certain times of the day so that I can focus. My dad's going to need me, you know, when when my mom transitions. and. So I'm doing what I would tell my clients to do. Find some people that you can tap into that can pour into you. Um, stay close to your friends. Self-care is key. So those are some things I'm implementing. Okay.
0: Okay. Beautiful. Beautiful. So I know this is really horrific for you. (laughs) And you and I have talked, we talk on Clubhouse and helping other individuals process their grief after losing a loved one. I love that you say, you know, and understand that this is not the end. That is really a new beginning. It's the end of the way you knew and experienced mom, which you're used to, but this is a new beginning for you all. So tell me, Describe to my listeners what it looks like, the correlation between trauma, grief, and mental illnesses, because you have a background in all of those. And I tend to tell my clients that there must be some aspect of trauma that happens before the grief. Something happens to us before we begin to grieve it. Even something small, you know, we lose a a key or something and we just get traumatized. But we're talking about something more serious than losing the keys. So in my mind, trauma happens first, then we grieve. We don't heal the grief. We don't uh, work and process and heal the grief and trauma that leads, could potentially lead to mental illnesses. What's your perspective on that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good point because trauma does bring on grief and unresolved grief can often bring on a mental illness. Depression is a mental illness. Mm -hmm. It's a diagnosis, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder. Those are things that are, could be biochemical but I do believe that with trauma, now that's that's a whole nother animal because trauma is is like you said, losing your keys, you can be traumatized <laughs> all the way, all the way up to being abused as, as a child. And I have had so many clients over the years who have had horrific stories of being traumatized mentally, physically, sexually. and they have a lot of unresolved grief, and it has brought out mental illness, things like schizophrenia or dual diagnosis, which is a mental disorder, along with a drug and alcohol disorder, or two simultaneous mental disorders taking place at the same time. So they're all intertwined. They're all their separate entity. Someone doesn't grieve because they've been traumatized. Someone isn't traumatized because they're grieving. Mental illness isn't caused by trauma. It could bring out a mental illness. So they're all separate entities, but they are all intertwined once you diagnose what's going on. Is it the trauma first? Is it the grief first? Was it the mental illness first? Those are very, very difficult questions to answer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, I guess, Pacific, depending on the person's situation. So depression, and this is kind of like a no brainer, but it just hit me last week because I'm hearing so many people talk about depression and because I love words and I love acronyms and I started putting that word together and the word depress means to push down. So the depression pushing down the feelings and the emotions, stuffing them as opposed to processing them could lead to depression. Now I realize there's a clinical aspect of depression, but I'm referring to the the depression that you might feel like you're depressed because you're not feeling your feelings. Share your perspective on that. Yeah,
1: that is a really good point because there is a clinical depression and they're characterized by certain markers, such as feeling helpless, hopeless, worthless, thinking about death, suicide, or being preoccupied with thoughts of death, uh, unable to sleep or too much sleep, or mm-hmm. unable to eat or eating too much. Yeah um, there are those are things that if you're experiencing for at least three to six months, you may be diagnosed as clinically depressed. As opposed to you just got fired from your job, you can't get out of bed, you're not hungry, or you've been through a significant loss, maybe your, your house burned down or you're, you've lost a loved one to, to death, you don't feel good, you're grieving. There's a depression that's associated with grief What I wanna say about depression is it could be temporary and clinical depression is often treated with medication and therapy. Your normal, I hate to say normal, but your not clinical depression is something that you can bounce through and you can overcome in time. And it is temporary. Yes, I love that. I love that. Just in case
0: the listeners didn't hear, you talked about eating and sleeping and some of those, I guess, normal things that we began to take, think that is normal, but it's really related to depression. So there are times when people are struggling with a mental illness and they don't attribute it to other things like I'm sleeping too much, I'm excessive eating, or uh, excessive crying, excessive exhaustion, all of those, or I can't sleep at night. All of those are things that we might just think is no big deal, but it could potentially mean exactly what you just said an aspect of depression or mental illness. So it is important to just
1: watch it all, right? Watch it all. Absolutely. And most people, when they're feeling that way, won't seek help because they're too depressed. They don't feel like it. They can't they can't muster up the energy to to make that call or reach out. So it's very important for your listeners to understand that if they feel that way or if they see somebody that's not themselves themselves, Uh, For instance, I have friends that occasionally will call me. I haven't seen you lately. Where have you been? You haven't been posting on social media. You haven't called. We haven't seen you. Check in on people who you know may be going through something. Right. That's key. That is key.
0: Yeah. I remember, and I think I mentioned it to you, that um, I lost a loved one last week. And we were on Clubhouse and I mentioned it on Clubhouse and the people who back channeled me and even called me to share their condolences. It means so, so much. You know, even if you don't know what to say, just let the person know that you're thinking about them. So with your clients, what have you seen has been the hardest thing for them to learn? What takes people the longest to learn about grief or trauma or
1: mental illness? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. That's loaded. Um, So I, I think that for most of my clients over the last several years, I've seen a pattern of learning to accept is very difficult.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and learning to forgive. Now, let let me just split those up because I don't think we ever fully accept a loss or a death. It's not something you get over. It's something you'll get through. But when, when you've learned to make peace with the loss and accept those things you cannot change, It does help to reduce feelings of anxiety, depression. It it may minimize symptoms of mental health issues. The acceptance is important. When people do finally come to that place where, and Diana, it could be years. I've had clients, especially with the loss of a child, hardest loss to help someone to go through. That is a journey that no one should have to face. So I've seen with parents who've lost children, it takes a long time to accept that loss, years. And then forgiveness. I've seen in so many clients, it has been very difficult for many to forgive that person that died. Mm. Because they look at it like, you left me. I'll never forgive you. We have to process that part. And then the forgiving of self. What could I have done better? What could I have done differently? Forgiving yourself. Oh, the last time I saw my husband, I I yelled at him. We had a fight. The last time I saw my mother, uh, we you know, I didn't kiss her goodbye. I didn't tell her I loved her. The last time I saw my child, I was telling my child his room was filthy. And so there's a lot of things that have to take place for acceptance and forgiveness.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. The non acceptance and denial just creates more suffering and more pain. You know, we know that grief is necessary, but suffering is optional. And that forgiveness piece, we just create space for all of it. For all of it. I love that you said. It's a process of going through. And that's why I named this podcast Growing Through Grief, because it's something you have to go through, grow through to be able to get on the other side. When we lose a loved one and that heartbreak, it it throws us right into a growth period. So grow, expand with it. So in the next, time is moving. In the next five minutes, What else would you like to share? And then we're going to talk a little bit about what you're doing out in the world so that people can contact you. What have we missed? What would you like to share with our listeners about the work that you do?
1: Well, I actually teach a grief course uh, at a local university. I've been teaching it for nine years, almost 10. Mm. And it's called Grief and Loss Across the Lifespan. And it takes you on a journey from In utero, all the way until you close your eyes in death. The developmental life stages, the, the grief stages. And it comes from two different perspectives. The person going through the developmental stages or while you're watching certain people go through the developmental stages. So here's what I've learned over the years. And one of my mentors and one of my instructors years ago who gave me a love for um, grief counseling, she said human beings are always trying to make meaning out of death and loss. And I say loss because loss doesn't necessarily mean someone died. It is a part of life that you grieve through. You could lose a marriage, a job, lose a home. All kinds of losses that have nothing to do with an actual physical death, correct? So with that said, human beings try to make sense out of loss and death. So it has been my journey and my passion to help people make meaning out of their loss. Mm, Yes, love that, love that.
0: So what do you, what exactly do you mean when you say developmental stages of grief?
1: Well, we all know that there is the five grieving stages, right? That goes way back in in history. It isn't that, do you know what this? Yeah, the Kubla
0: Ross, which she, she broke those stages. She did that body of research for individuals who are dying. It's about dying and death, not about those who are grieving.
1: Exactly. And that that's, One of the things that I learned early on, because when people say, oh, you're doing a grief class, I've I've had so many people say, do you teach the Kubler-Ross stages of grief? (laughs) That's not what she's really known for. And that's a really good point that you you said that. So what I do is I help people to understand how people grieve at developmental stages, how a two-year-old grieves how a five-year-old grieves, Mm -hmm. how a grade school student grieves, how high school students grieve, how young adults grieve, middle adults, older adults. That's the developmental stages of grief that I discuss and tease out and educate people on. Because a 10-year-old is not going to grieve the loss of a parent the way a 20-year-old will or a 50-year-old, right? Right, A child will grieve heavily, say, for instance, over a pet. And that is a very significant loss. That's another developmental stage. Pets are so important to children. And when a pet dies, the child is very traumatized and sad. And it's a perfect learning opportunity to teach a child about death and grief and that it's okay. So a child will grieve differently over the loss of a pet then say over the loss of a parent because of the developmental stage how the brain processes certain things so that's what i mean about the developmental stages of grief and loss across the lifespan Perfect. Perfect. I love that. I love that.
0: So when you say developmental mental stages, it reminds me of Eric Erickson's yes. body of work. Yeah. So that's what I thought you were heading for. But so beautiful, beautiful. OK, so but those,
1: actually, Eric Erickson, those are the developmental stages that I use as framework and references. And I've tied together. <clears throat> Because of the developmental stages that Eric Erickson has so beautifully r- outlined for all of us many, many years ago, those are the developmental stages that I use as a framework to help people understand that because a child at this age is experiencing this, this, and this as they're growing and developing, brief on top of that, this is how they process that.
0: Right. Beautiful.
1: Doing that. Great point.
0: So... The next couple of minutes, what else would you like to share with our audience?
1: Well, if, if we're talking specifically about grief, grief is, I use the word fickle. There's no time limit. When I first started out as a counselor, uh, my passion was to be a grief therapist. And so I was specifically seeing clients who were grieving. And I learned from my clients, but I also had my own experiences with grief. When I was 26 years old, my husband died suddenly. And you know, most of my story and maybe some of your listeners might. And a year and a half later, my brother died in a car accident yeah. and trying to get through that. It brought out a desire in me to, to not only want to help others, but I had to develop who I was because I found myself experiencing such unresolved grief, unacceptance, being unable to forgive, and it caused me to become anxious and depressed, and I wasn't able to grieve. So I made it a passion of mine to want to educate myself. And then, as you know, fast forward, I did meet uh, my husband that I'm married to now, And his sister was murdered and her baby daughter, they were murdered together on the same day by a random act of violence. And so I walked through that with with him. We were just friends at the time, but oddly enough, we ended up becoming engaged and married and felt like, you know, we had a life together that we could serve uh, humanity. And my second oldest brother, uh, subsequently a few years after that, took his own life. And so my life has been a grief story, but that's why I'm passionate about helping people. So what I want to say to people uh, as my last thought, we could talk about this all day, Diana, we can. Um, and it's such a timely topic because of our world. And it's and it's a very somber topic. So I would like to just end my thoughts by saying that grief is finished when it's finished. Allow it to do what it has to do. And my clients, when I tell them this next statement, they get, in, they get a little upset with me. I tell them to embrace the grief and tell the grief, bring it on, bring what you got. Because you, like you said, you've got to grow through it. Exactly. And, and in order to grow through it, you have to go through it. And that's what I mean about meaning making making meaning out of your loss, out of that death. Yeah. That is when you fully come to yourself and you fully round out the experience. You don't get over it, but you grow through it and you're able to make meaning out of it. And that will help you heal. It will help you to help others. Because as you know, the old saying, healed people, heal people. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: That's why, uh, first of all, I'm grateful to be on this because I know that you are a person who loves what you're doing. You serve well. I've been on calls with you. I, your voice is soothing. You are able to, to help people process through this yeah. when they're suffering and grieving. so So let grief do what it has to do. You will get through it. You can, you will. And there are resources out there and people like Diana and myself and others who we can refer to, help you find with the push of a button right now, you can talk to somebody across the world. If you're asking, yeah. So go through it, grow through it and allow it to have, have its time that it needs to help you get through
0: Beautifully said. Yes, yes, yes. You and I both have had our share of losses, 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 losses. And my condolences to your husband and the loss of his sister and baby niece or baby nephew. And then you're dealing with the loss of your mom's health and dementia. And yeah, we've had our share of losses. Right. So it should not come as a surprise to anyone that we have devoted the rest of our life to this body of work. I know for certain that I have, this is what I'm, I'm passionate about. I love doing it and I can't imagine doing anything else. And I love compassionate grief. That is the body of my, that's the, the air that I breathe, you know, compassionate grief, creating that space to help others grieve in safe places, not just any old place with safe people. So because we're out of time, we're just going to put your resources, how people can reach you. That would be in the show notes. You know, where are you on in social media? We'll put all of that out in the show notes. And I am so grateful to do this, have this conversation with you. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And to my listeners, you know what to do. Just keep on growing. And I will see you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Growing Through Grief and being part of this loving community of women. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share and spread the word. Let's help all women become richer and more nourished in their heart so that they're able to just keep on rising. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or topic ideas, or you would like to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at coachingtotheheart.org. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode. In the meantime, keep on growing.